Friday, and of course, as anticipated, uh, Nasrallah, Hassan Nasrallah, the Secretary General of Hezbollah, spoke today in Beirut, Lebanon. That speech was carried over there at uh, 3 p.m. their time, 0800 hours uh, central time here in San Antonio and at the RBN studio. Uh, I am trying to obtain uh, a complete video of with an English language translation of the speech itself. There's one person who put that up on YouTube who was subsequently demonetized and booted off of YouTube. So, uh, so much for freedom of speech there, obviously. Uh, but I have uh, reasonably trustworthy transcripts from a number of international news sources where I think we can basically get a sense of what was said in the speech. And uh, when I uh, do a post of uh, your show and mine here uh, on V Contacta, hopefully by that time, uh, the speech will uh, have be up there somewhere, uh, where uh, whether on Rumble or BitChute or Odyssey or whatever, someone will carry it with English uh, language uh, subtitles, so we can uh, see for ourselves exactly uh, how long he spoke and uh, what specifically he said. But as far as the basic gist of the speech, I think there are a number of places we can turn to on this, and in this particular juncture. Uh, it's uh, pretty obvious that in, in the speech itself, uh, he has not yet uh, tipped his hand uh, in terms of a wider engagement of Hezbollah in this conflict. But uh, he did make reference to the fact that Hezbollah was becoming more involved uh, on uh, Lebanon's southern border, uh, which, of course, uh, uh, meets up at the northern border of, uh, of present-day Israel. And in this regard, he made note of that and said something to the effect that in the next few days it would become more obvious uh, that there would be uh, a more con uh, a contested situations uh, in that part of the conflict. So I think uh, as far as the military side of things goes, it, uh, as near as I can tell from consulting uh, some Russian and Iranian uh, media outlets, uh, 
through their own uh, news sites and, and through some telegram sites that I subscribe to. Uh, it uh, was not yet what one would call a, a formal uh, declaration of a wider war coming in the next three or four days. Uh, he was very smart, uh, I think, and not tipping his hand on that, but indicating uh, basically that we would uh, come to see, the outside world would come to see, that things would become more contested uh, in that uh, northern part of Israel, southern part of Lebanon in the days ahead. Now, the interesting thing is that up to this point, Nasrallah has been uh, seemingly tactically silent. Uh, this is the first time he has issued a major address uh, since uh, since this whole thing uh, really began. And in that regard, it uh, is very clear that since the 7th of October, he has been uh, biding his time, letting a lot of other people talk on all sides of this conflict. Uh, it became a, a real concern for both Western intelligence agencies and Western media outlets, and undoubtedly Israeli intelligence specifically, in regard to... Uh, what cards he had in his hands and what cards he was going to play. Uh, he was very careful not to say anything at all uh, in the in the weeks that have uh, have gone by since this thing started in earnest. Uh, but now he's come forth uh, to say uh, to say at least a few things that give us an indication that there's more ahead. I think what the Western intelligence agencies in Israel will continue wondering about is uh, how much more. Uh, is ahead uh, in in coming days, and whether or not uh, has uh, Nasrallah's statement that all options are on the table against Israel that uh, sounded reasonably ominous. Uh, his actual indication of uh, of coming days was fairly measured, uh, but I think that that's a tactical move. He continues to, uh, I would suspect, have the Western intelligence agencies guessing. It, in regard to what uh, he may be up to and whether or not the Iranians uh, will uh, jump into this thing if Hezbollah really expands the conflict in southern Lebanon and in the northern part of Israel. So this uh, this is, again, the first time that Nasrallah has spoken since the so-called uh, Operation Al-Aqsa flood began, and uh, the uh, Israeli media was beside themselves uh, trying to figure out uh, uh, why he has been silent this long. Uh, now they're going to be about the business of trying to figure out exactly what lies ahead in the next 72 to 96 hours. For our listeners, and I'll uh, get some of this up uh, uh, in, in regard to uh, preparing a show description here, uh, whether this uh, goes out as a National Bugle radio broadcast, which it probably this, should. This will go out as your broadcast. Okay, it'll go out as the as a Dan Koff report then with uh, Patrick Slattery, a special guest. And I'll simply uh, mention uh, what I will get up then on the show description on Beacon Talker for this. A number of places that I uh, uh, checkmark for our uh, listeners to go to to really understand Hezbollah and uh, what their ideology is uh, and uh, what their stated goals are in the Middle East and in Palestine specifically. I got something that looked quite excellent from from Formoslova.com, The Guardian. Uh, has had a uh, an article in recent days, what is Hezbollah, how will it influence the Israel-Hamas war? Uh, Hezbollah itself, uh, their own website in English, Hezbollah.org, uh, gives us uh, uh, something entitled uh, About Hezbollah. And there's a graphic that says, I on Hezbollah. Uh, that'll, it's, it's fascinating. When I was scanning these last night, 
uh, it seemed that much of the uh, uh, information uh, ever published about them pretty much coincides uh, with uh, the way they describe themselves. And, of course, we also put up this, uh, or will be putting up, Wikipedia's basic uh, uh, summation or, or synopsis of the Hezbollah group, their history, their ideology, and so forth. One of the things uh, that uh, is, is very fascinating to look at is that there's a wide variance uh, in regard to how many men they are believed to have uh, under arms. There is a wide variance of opinion in the West among all kinds of different sources as to what their military capabilities might be. Uh, I think uh, Alastair Crookie at the uh, Strategic uh, Culture Foundation has come up with some figures that seem to be uh, uh, figures that, that stack up well uh, with a number of other sources that that uh, give Hezbollah even more capability and more manpower than uh, Alastair Crookie uh, documents. But in terms of coming up with just a basic idea that I think is fair to broadcast, Crookie indicates that Hezbollah has basically 150,000 men available to deploy in a military operation. Uh, I've seen those estimates go as high as 200,000. We'll simply use Crookie's figures and say it's 100,000. But the most fascinating thing is that uh, Alastair went on to say that in terms of their uh, their military capabilities, that Hezbollah is believed to have 80,000 drones and cruise missiles. I've not been able to come up with a great deal of technical information that would be understandable either for me or for all the non-specialists who listen to our show. But uh, if they have uh, 80,000 drones and, uh, and cruise missiles, it would be fascinating to get a uh, responsible military expert. And I'm thinking of somebody like maybe Brian Berletic at the, at the new Atlas uh, would be one possibility. Military summary of the YouTube channel might know some things. Larry Johnson, uh, the ex-CIA analyst who is a constant source for international media outlets, uh, his website, sonar21.com, uh, either will have or perhaps is posted in the last day or two, I'm not sure, some materials uh, that may cover what we can expect of, uh, of Hezbollah if they decide to more fully deploy. Uh, it's obvious that there are some serious skirmishes between the two sides, between Hezbollah uh, and the IDF that have occurred up to this point. But I think the particular concern for Israel and in the West generally uh, among Israel supporters, is uh, will Hezbollah uh, jump in even more big time uh, than is the case already? Does the Nasrallah speech hint at that? I think it hints at that without tipping his hand. And then, of course, what are the Iranians going to do? Uh, the Iranians may well follow Hezbollah into this conflict as a fellow uh, Shiite uh, entity that is opposed to Zionism in Palestine. And in that regard, the Iranians have been putting up all kinds of things in terms of a summation of the Nasrallah speech today at press television, press TV.ir. But uh, there have also been uh, quite a number of things said by the foreign minister of Iran uh, and a number of things hinted at by their president and by their supreme leader that would suggest that if this thing goes much longer, if the atrocities get much worse, and at this particular point, I think the most reliable latest figures I've seen indicate that there have been about 9,200 fatalities uh, uh, among uh, civilians in the Gaza Strip since Israel started uh, this, this whole business of, uh, of, uh, uh, of, of countering the Operation Al-Aqsa flood uh, situation of October the 7th. 
It is estimated, and again, this is a statistic. Al Jazeera in English is quoting this uh, from the Ministry of Health in Gaza. So uh, we need to be fair about this and to say advisedly uh, that uh, these are their numbers. I haven't been able to get any kind of independent corroborate, uh, corroboration of this. But uh, according to their numbers, you're dealing with just under 10,000 uh, fatalities, uh, probably about 9,200 at this point. At least, I'm quoting their statement, at least 3,826 of these have been children, and some 25 or 2,600 uh, are put in the category of women. And that would uh, seem to coincide uh, with what we do know through uh, independent yeah. sources that corroborate their information about if you have 2.1 uh, million people in Gaza uh, and you have, uh, you know, and, and half of those are women and children, that uh, 50%, uh, 50%, give or take, of, uh, of any fatality listing and, and listing of wounded that is published, about 50% of those we can kind of guess or reliably yeah. guess well, or hypothesize are women and children. Yeah, actually, may, may I interject for a second? Sure. So if the, the under-18 population of Gaza is, is said to be uh, about 40%, yeah. which, yeah, I mean, this is, it's... Uh, an area where there's really not a whole lot to do for amusement other than make babies. And so it's got a very young population. So if 40% are under the age of 18 classified as children, the remaining 60%, you assume it's going to be more or less half and half. Uh, So that would be 30% adult women, 30% men. So yeah, you would expect if, if it's indiscriminate bombing, if if the, the killing is indiscriminate, you would expect uh, to have about 70% women and children, it's not necessarily 100% indiscriminate, but still you're going to expect a majority women and children. And as for the the, the numbers, well, while the numbers of deaths, uh, that comes from the uh, Hamas-dominated uh, Ministry of uh, Health, but what we do have is co- corroboration is satellite imagery, and you can see in the satellite imagery, just entire neighborhoods have been just leveled. leveled. Yeah, leveled. just leveled. And I, uh, in terms of uh, absolutely horrible uh, uh, videos coming from reliable international sources, um, international media sources uh, taken from the air, uh, one can see uh, visually the absolute horror of this. And uh, Alexander uh, Mercurius at the Duran and uh, and his partner Alex Christoforo. Uh, we're discussing this in, in the last uh, couple of days, and I think Mercurius is absolutely correct that that Israel is losing big time on this in terms of the media optics, as it were, the visuals, as it were, because it's one thing to be reading numbers off of a piece of paper in regard to the horrific character of these casualties, but to actually see what is being done uh, and, and how much devastation there has been, all of the rubble that's there. And then, of course, I have seen uh, some horrific uh, videos of uh, of the uh, grieving of, uh, of bereaved family members. Uh, there is a uh, latest report out this morning uh, that Israel has bombed yet another hospital in Gaza, uh, and and so it's it's uh, it's going to be curious to see how uh, this plays for Israel internationally. I'm sure it will be a very negative negative. Uh, increasingly uh, ugly image that they're developing for themselves in all of this. Mercurius went a long way yesterday in explaining how much better 
they could have handled the circumstances in terms of protecting uh, themselves militarily and enhancing some kind of a diplomatic conversation, emphasizing at the same time that the current leadership of Israel uh, and these American uh, Ziocons uh, and the and the Ziocons of Europe that are behind Israel uh, are in no mood uh, for any more talking or negotiation than they have been in the last however many years. But uh, Nasrallah's speech uh, is is uh, when you look at some of the specific. Uh, things that have been quoted uh, from that speech uh, from different sources. Uh, he notes, Nasrallah notes, of course, that, quote, Israel went into American strategic stocks. It's interesting he uses that term with the perhaps the background of the, of the Russian-Ukrainian conflict in mind. Israel went into American strategic stocks in the first days of the war. They want 10 billion U.S. dollars additionally. This is a country that is strong and independent, he says rhetorically. What about the European governments that have supported Israel with military and moral support? And then he goes on to say, and there are just a few of the points that I was able to scribble down here before we went on the air. The fight against the Zionists is completely legal, moral, religious, and humane, he says. He says that he salutes the Iraqi Yemeni armies who have entered this sacred battle. Uh, that's That's an interesting reference to some of the skirmishes there that may play in very well to uh, Nasrallah's hint at an increase in Hezbollah's own military operations uh, in uh, in the next three or four days, with obviously uh, the, the the big fear in the background that at least up to now, in terms of my own notes on this, he has not articulated anything that I can see here in English on Iran. Won't be able to absolutely clarify that until I have seen the complete uh, taping of the speech with English subtitles. But uh, he does make it clear uh, that uh, the Hamas attacks, which began on October 7th, he says were called by the leader of the Lebanese group an exclusively a Palestinian solution. Uh, he is uh, referring to himself, of course. He is saying that these were implemented only by Palestinian resistance forces. Of great importance, says Nasrallah, was the effect of surprise. What is happening now, as I struggle to read my own notes, what is happening now, Nasrallah said today, between Palestine and Israel as strategic and existential, we'll repeat that, strategic and existential consequences and will have an impact on the present and the future of Israel. Israel asked America for money and weapons from the first day of the battle, quoting Nasrallah here, but despite American support, Israel was unable to turn the situation in his favor. It's interesting. It doesn't say her favor, it says his favor. The haste with which the United States began to provide assistance to Israel only confirmed its failure. Uh, Israel does not learn lessons from the past, Nasrallah stated in the speech. One of the biggest mistakes Israel is making now is setting goals it cannot achieve, such as eliminating Hamas and Hezbollah authorities. After a month of fighting, he said today, the enemy was unable to show a single military achievement in the Gaza Strip, only the murder of women and children. That's a very, very interesting Make statement. The world go
I am so excited to have you as part of the Wild Pastures family, and we look forward to bringing you the pasture-raised meats that you and your family will love. Now, we started Wild Pastures because so many of my clients would tell me they just couldn't find high-quality pasture-raised meats, and even when they did, it was so expensive that they couldn't afford to eat it regularly. Now, I'm not talking about the bottom-of-the-barrel healthy meats that have claims like natural or free-range or even cage-free, terms that were actually created by the industrial food industry to make us feel all warm and fuzzy about buying their low quality products. I'm talking about truly nourishing pasture-raised meats, the kind that you'll never really find in a grocery store. Our farmers are doing things beyond organic. Our beef is 100% grass-fed and grass-finished and raised on pastures free from chemicals and other pesticides. Our chickens are 100% pasture-raised where they get their natural diet of grass and forage and insects. We will never settle for free range, which is actually one of the most deceptive terms in the chicken industry. In fact, less than 0.1% of the chicken consumed in the United States is truly pasture-raised in the way that ours is. And our pork is 100% pasture-raised as well. So if you care about where your food comes from, then you have definitely made it to the right place. As a Wild Pastures member, you'll be supporting the most highly principled farmers in America and getting the most nutrient-dense, nourishing, and sustainable meats in the world. But I'm confident you'll love being part of our mission at Wild Pastures, and you will really love the delicious, nourishing meats that we're going to deliver straight to your door. Visit republicbroadcasting.org and click the Wild Pastures banner ad. Secure a shipment today. Beef, poultry, and pork. Raised the way nature intended. Go to republicbroadcasting.org. Smash that donate button like Russian peacekeepers smashing through the Azov neo-Nazi terrorists in the Donbass. I don't think you can explain politics without looking at Jewish power any more than you can explain physics without dealing with gravity. 9-11 was a jointly conducted covert operation that involved multiple states, the Saudis, the Israelis, and what you could call the deep state in the United with States. anti-Semitic remarks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're jiggling juice, we used to say, yeah. The dancing Israelis. Uh, so even the Republicans now are compromising and they're pushing issues that are destructive to the white race. They would always say, like, are we just going to talk about this stuff on the radio? Like, what are we going to do about it? Either we force the democracy to work by actually getting the ballot access, getting the candidates, getting in office, getting our message out there to the people, or we expose just how undemocratic it is. The Patrick and Jeremy Show, Tuesday at 9 Central and Wednesday at 1 Central. Hey. to show a single military achievement in the Gaza Strip, only the murder of women and children. That's a very, very interesting statement there. He then uh, went on to emphasize... Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was just going to make a little interjection. Sure. So you noted that he used kids for Israel. Now, typically in, in English, when we're talking about countries, we use it, right? It. But there's been this... What, what do you call it? Affectation um, of of people referring to Israel as she and her, right? The, using female pronouns. Yeah. Oh, Israel! What are your pronouns? Um, is Israel? I mean, <laughs> so is, is Israel a woman? Is it a man? Is it a tranny? Do we know? Right? 
That's right. Maybe Nasrallah so, was thinking about all those gay pride marches in Tel Aviv when he when he uh, pulled in that particular pronoun. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I I have some some thoughts on on this, but you can go. I, I'll I'll I have a thought on Mercurius, and I've got a thought on the general situation. But why don't you you finish your your summation of uh, Nasrallah's speech, and then sure. I'll, I'll, I'll hurry with that very thoughts. quickly here, so we can get you engaged in this. Um, uh, basically, uh, he uh, underscores the uh, the that the uh, operation uh, Al-Aqsa flood was correct, uh, and he goes on to say that uh, the situation in Palestine, due to Israeli actions in recent years, has been very tough, and the world has turned a blind eye to all this. At a later point in the speech, he specifically blames the United States. And that actually is what is coming out of officialdom and out of Russian media statements about the statements of officialdom. And that is that uh, the United States uh, and its failure to negotiate an honest so-called solution based upon the proposed two-state solution, which we've been listening to that horse pucky for many years, of course, uh, that they say, hey, what do you expect now after all these years of no uh uh, no progress on this at all, and all these ongoing Israeli land acquisitions and their theft of East Jerusalem. Uh, now the uh, the uh, incidents involving these settler, Israeli settlers, not only in the West Bank, but this uh, provocation on the part of these Israeli settlers on the side of the Al-Aqsa Mosque, uh, which uh, is generally believed to have been the tip-off for a Gaza to launch their own operation in response to this Al-Aqsa Mosque uh, incident that involved these Israeli settlers. Uh, and it's, uh, uh, he does mention the Quds Brigade and the Al-Qassam Brigade specifically. He mentions martyred civilians, martyred civilians, including journalists. So there's that theme coming to the fore. He then uh, goes on to try and underscore what he believes to be the moral plane of the so-called resistance front and of Hezbollah. He says, we will not find another struggle as important in our, as our struggle on the humanitarian, legal, and religious levels against the Zionist enemy occupying Israel. Our true power is in faith, Nasrallah says. It precedes our power in arms. He then uh, concludes, uh, toward the end of the speech, he uh, emphasizes, I'm looking at my own notes here, that Israel would, will be committing the greatest stupidity in its history if it decides to attack Lebanon. And um, the uh, analysis of this on the part of several people I've talked to in, uh, in uh, uh, Russian and even American military sources that put things out there on Telegram uh, is that at least for the time being, that statement would seem to suggest that maybe in the next three or four days, there might be a little bit of intensification of these border clashes, but uh, they will avoid escalation, so it is assumed by some of these analysts, until and unless Israel attacks Lebanon specifically. And then uh, Nasrallah concludes the speech by saying, for our people in Gaza, you will win. We and you, mourning our deaths today, will soon meet to celebrate victory. Now, uh, in terms of the martyrdom theme uh, in the Shia version of Islam, 
Uh, this gets back to the Battle of Karbala, K-A-R-B-A-L-A. Won't do anything more with that on this broadcast other than to say that if people look that up, uh, they will understand uh, that this whole business of the uh, the uh, of what happened in Karbala uh, deals with the with the Shia uh, martyrdom and 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 the whole basic uh, division, as it were, between Shia and Sunni Islam. So that's that's basically the gist of the speech. And uh, and I was noting today that there were p- uh, pictures in the Middle Eastern and in Russian telegram news services showing the massive crowds that were not simply in attendance at the speech in Beirut. Uh, how many people were actually there? I can't come up with a figure that I can quote with any degree of re- reliability yet. Uh, but then uh, when you looked at other places around the world, most noteworthy, uh, there was a, a place in um, uh, uh, several places around the world where the crowd seemed to be particularly thick. And as you might imagine, uh, Tehran, uh, was one of those places. So as uh, you look at this whole business of uh, of interested uh, uh, peoples surrounding the immediate conflict zone, but who in fact could be very very much involved with it in the future, this uh, this really uh, makes you wonder how long. You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Real news, real talk, real people. Because you can handle the truth. What would you say if I told you we have a new tool that will increase production and lower maintenance costs for your meat processing company, and it would pay for itself in just six weeks? When pigs fly! The new Ease-Off Model EZ4 replaces old spring-style carcass droppers and is faster, safer, and more reliable. The Ease-Off lowers or lifts 1,000 pounds to or from your rail automatically using our remote control. Sounds expensive. Can I afford it? Can you afford not to try the Ease-Off? It installs fast with just three bolts in place of your current dropper. The effortless operation will reduce fatigue and injuries, speed up your line, eliminate downtime, and increase profit. How can I order my EaseOff? Go to EaseOff.com, E-A-Z-E-O-F-F dot com. And hurry, because we are offering $200 off on the new Easy 4 for a limited time. EaseOff.com. We make pigs fly. Cows too. EaseOff LLC. Summersville, Missouri. 417-932-6419. People often write to tell us what has happened for them since starting Extendivite. Allow me to read a few. In one month, my blood pressure dropped significantly. I no longer get chest pain after exercise. It's amazing, and I ordered my second bottle. The reviews are spot on. My target is to get off BP meds, and if it keeps going like this, I see a light at the end of the tunnel. So far, a great product is what it claims to be. Great product. A few days in and I could feel a difference for certain. Not checking medical stats yet. I know this is really working by how I feel. We'll continue to take this product. To order, call 1-877-928-8822 or visit extendivite.com. That's X-T-E-N-D-O-V-I-T-E dot com. 
Are you sick of censorship? TLB Talk is the cure. TLB stands for truth, liberty, and balance. We are the newest and most unique social media platform to hit the internet. We were built out of necessity because Big Tech, Big Pharma, and Big Brother are out of control. The only thing bigger than them is when we the people are united. With that vision, TLB Talk was born. Our battlefield is in cyberspace. The battle we're in can be won by clicks of buttons and voting with your wallet. TLB Talk has no hidden agendas, no corporate funding, and we do not sell, trade, or give away any of your information. Our platform runs off of generous donations of members and merchandise profits. So please, check out our site. It's the best around. And be sure to stop by our store. It's loaded with items that'll have you feeling a sense of member pride and victory. Come unite with us today at TLBTalk.com and join the social media revolution. You say you want me back again. That's the time I'll come back home to you. Peoples surrounding the immediate conflict zone, but who in fact could be very, very much involved with it in the future. This, uh, this really uh, makes you wonder how long, the longer it goes. I think that the more, the more atrocities and, and the more political damage done to Israel, the longer it goes, uh, the more danger I think there is of an expansion and an escalation. And uh, uh, I think certainly he made it clear, uh, Nasrallah did, that an Israeli attack on Lebanon uh, would cause, uh, cause the gloves to come off. So there you have it. Okay. Well, um, so here are my thoughts. I remember when I was in first grade, uh, there was this kid in sixth grade named Billy, and he was giving me a hard time. And now I wasn't being obnoxious. I don't think I was that obnoxious. But at any rate, Billy was Billy was a bully. Billy was giving me a hard time. I said, you better stop her. I'll tell my brother. Well, my brother was in fourth grade, and my brother was like, just, just be quiet. Just be quiet. Right? He didn't, he didn't, want, he didn't want to start anything with Billy. And... Israel has had Israel has had um, Uncle Uncle Sam. I, I, on my show, I, I, I said Uncle Tom by accident. I think I should say <laughs> Uncle Sam. I, I think it really is more like that's Sam. only that's only permissible if you're uh, you're discussing Lloyd Austin. Then you can use right. Uncle Tom. <laughs> yeah, they got, they, they got Uncle Tom. But no, Israel's had Uncle Sam at its back. But maybe, but now Uncle Sam's more like Uncle Fester from the Adams family. I don't really think Uncle Fester would be much help in a fight. Um, yes. and so Israel has been, has, to, to continue the analogy, Israel's been a kid. It's been a brat. It's been obnoxious. It's been troublesome. Okay. It's been causing problems, but it's been able to do it because it's got the big brother at its back. And nobody wants to mess with a big brother. Well, but the thing is, now the big brother is like in gay pride parades and is overweight and hasn't been training. And, you know, now you got this this Chinese kid who's like in really good shape. You got this Russian kid who's in really good shape. And they're not scared anymore. And the Iranians aren't scared. And the Hezbollah in Lebanon's not scared. The Saudis are, are pissed off. The Egyptians are pissed off. I mean, uh, al-Sisi who came to power by overthrowing the Muslim Brotherhood, the last thing he wants 
is for the population of Gaza, including uh, Hamas, which is an offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood. He doesn't want uh, uh, millions of these people in the Sinai now. Exactly. Everybody's mad. And and so Israel, Israel could get a lot away with a lot of stuff during the Cold War. It could get, get away with anything during the unipolar moment. But th- that's the past. And now you've got the, this multipolar world that that it, it, it's been slow to understand. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's if Joe Biden has their back. Joe Biden's a feeble old man. The United States, our, our military, it's like 60 or 70 percent of people are overweight. Uh, we can't recruit because is a the able-bodied Southern white men don't want to join because they're 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 not welcome, and so who's left? So uh, everything is different. Uh, now, I, one other thing you, you mentioned, Alexander Mercurius, who's been an excellent source of information on on Ukraine. Now he's an excellent source of information on this, but I. On, on other people's shows, and I'm going to do it on this show too. I am going to call him out, and I'm going to call him. You know, he was he's condemned Hamas. He condemned Hamas and said, you know, it's totally unacceptable. It's a violation of international law. It's terrorism. And I want to call. I'm going to call him once again. Highly cynical. And I don't really know what cynical means, but I hear him use the word, so he knows what it means. And the thing is that Hamas has been. In, it's in Gaza. Gaza has been a justice-free zone since 2006. Uh, I mean, the Palestinian territories in general are pretty close to being justice-free, but they, there's no justice, there's no recourse to uh, legal remedies for anybody in Gaza. For, and so after 16, 17 years of this kind of brutality where they have no recourse to any legal protections, then when they do something, A, it's entirely predictable, and then B, how, then you're going to stand up and say, well, this, this is illegal under international law. Well, what have they been subjected to? So you don't, I don't care whether it's legal under international law or illegal or justified or whatever. I don't even think that's the point. A, it's entirely predictable. And B, if, if going back to the uh, schoolroom analogy, if you've got that that one kid, that one brat who's got his big brother who's looking after him, and he's just going and beating up all the kids on the playground and doing this all with impunity, and even the teachers see him and nobody says anything, and he's stealing people's money and he's hitting them upside the head and giving them rabbit punches and all of this, and then somebody punches him in the face, all of a sudden, then you're going to say that this is this is unacceptable. So exactly, Mercurius, but Mercurius is on YouTube. He, he he makes money. He he has to limit the things he says. He has to be careful about what he says. Maybe he feels he has to say this type of thing in order to stay on YouTube where he's making money. Fine, I understand that. But on RBN, uh, we are well, we're not independently wealthy. We're independently poor, but we are independent, and we can speak our mind here. And uh, so I'm making that point. So that's what I had to say, Mark. I kick it back to you. Well, that uh, the point you just made, uh, Patrick, uh, underscores uh, my own conversation with all on Saar Radio recently in uh, Durban, South Africa. Uh, excellent conversation, of course. Uh, they had hosted me for some shows uh, in their studio when I was over there uh, approximately a decade ago now. Hard to believe that much time has passed, about 11 years. But uh, the very last question of what I thought was an excellent conversation uh, on my own views on this subject, 
I was asked if I would condemn Hamas. Well, by the very nature of what uh, has uh, has gone on in this situation since since the uh, UN partition in 1947, and we start looking at all of the crimes that Israel has committed, not only in this situation in Palestine leading up to the present time, but all the things that we've discussed with RBN in the past in regard to uh, illegitimate Israeli uh, military operations against the United States from time to time, the Levon affair, the USS Liberty attack, uh, the the uh, whole uh, issue of the apparent linkage of Meyer Lansky and David Ben-Gurion to the Kennedy assassination, with reference both to Laurent Guyano's work as well as late Michael Collins Piper with Final Judgment. Uh, you start getting into the, uh, the Pollard spy cases and all these other uh, spy case uh, operations that uh, were targeting the United States. The Promise affair plays into that. The NUMEC uh, n- uh, nuclear uh, materials thefts uh, several years after the Kennedy assassination. Those took place up in Apollo, Pennsylvania. It just goes on and on. What we believe happened on 9-11, of course, uh, who really profited by that. And then the overall uh, American uh, Zionist neoconservative uh, uh, influence, and I would argue control over American foreign policy, uh, where we have been uh, fairly tagged, I think, with being uh, responsible for a lot of these things because we're the ones who've been enabling it uh, with our military umbrella uh, up to this point and certainly uh, giving billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars to Israel. And, of course, uh, we're now uh, getting ready to pour that much more money uh, into what it is that they're doing in Gaza. And, and certainly uh, from this vantage point, uh, in, in my mind, I told these guys at all and Sar on the air, I said, I can't bring myself to condemn them. <clears throat> the reason I can't bring myself to condemn them is it's like, uh, uh, you know, watching a situation where uh, I went back to the late Monty Stickles, the, San Fran- the late San Francisco 49er tight end back in the uh, 60s who played his college football at Notre Dame. And uh, Monty Stickles, back when he was in college and Notre Dame was playing Navy, there was a situation where he was cheap-shotted time and time and time again by the same player for Navy. And at one point, uh, Stickles finally blew his stack, tore this guy's helmet off of him, got him down on the ground with a chokehold and started helmet-whipping this guy with his own helmet. And uh, years later, uh, Stickles was asked about this by... By Sport Magazine, they said, do you have, have any... Re- yes. Ripping him with his own helmet. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a humiliation. Yeah. He basically got this guy down on the ground, tore this Navy player's helmet off of him, and just started beating this guy mercilessly with with the, with the Navy player's helmet. And uh, years later, Stickles still uh, was asked about this incident in Sport Magazine, if he'd had any regrets about doing that. And Stickles said, the only thing I regret was I didn't make the look All-America team that year. <laughs> and this is, kind of, this is kind of the way uh, in which this thing has now evolved, where how many atrocities do you suffer? suffer? How many open-air concentration camps uh, can, uh, can, uh, can people endure to, uh, you know, of which Gaza is, has been termed the largest open-air concentration camp in the world with 2.1 million people crammed in there. How do you go uh, about the business of tolerating the ongoing land uh, thieveries in the West Bank at gunpoint 
the ongoing shootings of uh, is IDF uh, uh, personnel of uh, unarmed Palestinian kids. Uh, how much more uh, stuff can they tolerate in regard to this uh, Al-Aqsa Mosque incident that, uh, that seemed to provoke what ended up happening on the uh, 7th of October? The point is you reach a juncture where if it's perceived that there's no fairness, no decency, no integrity, no honor, and that w- the one side is the one profiting by this, uh, eventually something's going to happen. And uh, and again, this whole business of calling, uh, of saying, well, we can have a conversation about all of this, but first you have to condemn Hamas. Uh, are we going to condemn uh, Monty Stickles for helmet whipping this guy years ago? I didn't when I read about it in Sport Magazine. That's admittedly a very small uh, sports example of the dynamic that's going on here. But if your own family members are being killed in droves, if you're living in an open-air concentration camp, uh, if you don't have uh, the basic supplies of life uh, with which to live, and uh, it, you know in the, in the immediate aftermath uh, of, of an action taken by Hamas itself, uh, what do we do with the, with, the, with the clear illegality of, a, of collective punishment, which uh, bombs thousands of people, kills and wounds thousands of people, hospitals being bombed deliberately, schools being bombed deliberately, uh, and where the Israelis uh, made it very clear that they were going to undertake uh, the the, uh, cessation of uh, any electricity in Gaza, uh, you know, have a uh, denial of uh, basic medical supplies going in there, food and water going in there. uh, And then then finally, of course, uh, they take credit for the opening of the Rafah opening for a few supplies to get in when they had nothing to do with that whatsoever. The Egyptians opened it at great risk to themselves. So th- th- when you're dealing with this mentality, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's all on the one side. And as a neighbor of mine was asking me about some of this several days ago, you know, this, she read about this two state solution. I showed her that classic map of the transitions in, uh, in Palestinian land versus uh, Jewish land since 1947. And that graphic tells the whole thing. And she said, there's no there's no land left for these people to gain any sort of a two state solution settlement. And I said that's right, and so it's uh, from an Israeli uh, point of view, a Zionist point of view in the United States uh, and in Western Europe and in Israel itself. It's like heads we win, tails you lose. So this is where it is, and uh, uh, the longer this goes on, the more danger we have of being involved. Uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a conflagration, and I think that Nasrallah is hinting at what everyone, I think, knows, and that is that if, if what if Egypt uh, were to get involved in this, Iran, uh, Assad, Syria, and Hezbollah, uh, and what if all of a sudden you had a face-off between the United States and Russia over this, where those uh, at least two, uh, rumored to be a total of four with two on the way, but at least we know there are two confirmed carrier uh, task force groups in uh, the general region, the USS uh, Dwight Eisenhower, and the USS Gerald R. Ford are out there. And uh, there you're dealing with what? The aircraft carriers, about 70, uh, 70 planes apiece. You've got the destroyers. You've got the cruisers. Those uh, The Russians, might, if this thing really became an eyeball-to-eyeball situation, they might choose to, I mean, Putin has, has just reminded the United States about his hypersonic missiles, which uh, can travel it up to speeds of 12 Mach, right? Uh, this this is not the sort of thing where uh, where uh, the United States Navy 
will want to risk finding out if their aircraft carriers can survive strikes from those kinds of hypersonic missiles. So hopefully it never reaches the point where anyone has to find out. But, uh, you know, the uh, when uh, Mercurius speaks about that sort of thing being unthinkable, I know where he's coming from at one level. I think it's unthinkable. But the point is, the longer this goes, the more thinkable it becomes. Right. And the, mm-hmm. the only thing I can think of that's at all good in any of this tragedy is that uh, I guess the Xylocons have decided that they kind of uh, have to pull the plug now on Zelensky since he's getting his butt kicked despite all the billions and, and all the weaponry he's received. And they're just going to start pumping it into Israel exclusively, which raises that uh, point on Capitol Hill. The House, as I think you probably know, Patrick, has passed with our, our great Christian Zionist Republican Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson of Louisiana, uh, who is even involved with these Third Temple crackpots. Uh, under Johnson's so-called leadership, the House has passed a bill that separates Israel from Ukraine in regard to consideration of subsidies and weapons. Uh, Biden doesn't like it. There's a question as to whether or not this thing could, uh, whether or not a Biden veto uh, could be overridden in the Senate, possibly not. But uh, th- these are the pressures on Zelensky that he's suddenly yesterday's news and he's increasingly perceived as a loser, which he is. And uh, this uh, Israeli uh, Gazan situation uh, gives all of our uh, Israeli enthusiasts in the United States the opportunity to continue playing war games. Only this time Netanyahu will get virtually everything. And uh, Zelensky uh, one day, I assume, will simply disappear when the Surovikan line completely collapses and uh, when the Russians uh, engage in an all-out attack that uh, may may include all of Ukraine at that point. We don't know. So, yeah, the, the longer this goes on, the more dangerous. But also, the longer this goes on, I think the worse for Israel. I think, you know, Israel... No question. There's going to be a settlement. Uh, the United States has way overplayed its hand. Israel, of course, is way overplayed. The Jewish power structure has way overplayed their hand. And now they're in this extremely uncomfortable, rude awakening where they've got the rest of the world staring them down. They've got the, uh, obviously, uh, the Arab world, the Muslim world, the entire Muslim world staring them down. Uh, Russia and China, you know, Russia and China earlier this year had joint naval operations with Iran. Right. So they're they're on the other side. And then you look around the world and Latin America, exactly, uh, Africa. And so that like the whole world is lined up against them. We took a little trip along with Colonel Jackson down the mighty Mississippi. We took a little bacon and we took a little beans and we met up with the British near the town of New Orleans. We fired our guns and... Here's some interesting news. Due to all the recent claims about possible nuclear wars, viruses, solar flares, and civil unrest, people are scrambling to prepare and stockpile food. But the one thing out of reach for many is an underground bunker. Until now. Because you can now have a 3D printed underground bunker in just one day. An excavator digs a hole in your backyard and 3dbunkers.com shows up in a small truck and sets up their 3D printer under a tent completely undetected. 
can print as many rooms as you want at a fraction of the cost compared to traditional metal bunkers. 3D Bunkers uses polymer concrete, which is five times stronger than regular cement. YouTube 3DBunkers.com and watch the video. The creators of 3D Bunkers is looking for a business partner that can help bring this technology to the world. And we need to protect our way of life without living in fear. Contact Brad at 3DBunkers.com for more details or visit 3DBunkers.com. Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. Support those that support the network. Support Dixie Republic at DixieRepublic.com. Email ProudSouthern123 at gmail.com and let them know that RBN sent you. One of the millions of people who feel like there is a dark cloud hanging over their heads whenever they're using pharmaceutical drugs. For some, the short-term relief can turn into an opioid addiction nightmare. Have you ever wondered why CBD oil is a billion-dollar industry? It's because it works better than opioids and is actually healthy for you. However, CBD oil is stripped of all other helpful compounds found in the hemp plant. According to neuroscientists, the whole hemp plant, otherwise known as hemp paste, is even more effective than the chemically processed CBD oil. Are you ready to take back your health? You can try hemp paste for the price of a cup of coffee. Hemppaste.com slash RBN. Free shipping on orders over $50. See the banners for Hemp Paste at republicbroadcasting.org and visit hemppaste.com slash RBN. Down, down the Mississippi to the Gulf of Mexico. Right? So they're, they're on the other side. And then you look around the world and Latin America. Exactly. Uh, Africa. And so that like the whole world is lined up against them with the exception of, you know, NATO, but NATO is a paper tiger. NATO couldn't, couldn't win in, in, um, uh, Ukraine there, there it's a paper tiger. So the longer it goes on, the worse. Now regarding a two state settlement, I want a settlement and I don't, I, I don't have like, I'm not saying this is what the settlement should be. Uh, there's going to be a, I think there's going to be an international peace conference. The longer this goes on, the worse it is. Because the the logic, like, like Israel has tried to um, get its foot in the door by setting up these settlements all throughout the West Bank. And it's like, well, look, boy, I mean, these people are here. They've made their lives. They've got their homes. You can't just move them. Well, after you've destroyed million, like a million people's homes in Gaza, the idea of uh, having you know, destroyed them, actually destroyed the homes, in many cases destroyed the people. The idea is of, of sending in a bunch of moving vans and having these Jews move out of territory that they had no right to in the first place, that becomes a lot more thinkable. The longer this goes on, the idea of uh, ending this, terminating the settlements and handing over the buildings 
to uh, homeless Palestinians, that becomes a lot more acceptable the longer this goes on. Uh, so you, the longer this goes on, um, the, the more, to the extent there's going to be a Palestinian state, the more that Palestinian state's going to control. Uh, what, let's see, what else was there? Um, oh, I had like maybe another schoolyard analogy. I can't think of it. It's, I, it, I forgot all about it, but at any rate, um, yeah, I guess that's what I have to say. Uh, we're, we only have like a couple minutes left that you like maybe two minutes. You want to, uh, wrap it up? Yes. I'd simply say uh, in, in conjunction with what you've already said, Patrick, that, uh, that the longer this goes on, the worse it gets for Israel and its supporters in terms of the international political damage. You've already cited all of the instances in the global south and, and, and South America uh, where that's happened. Uh, and, uh, and and obviously you have major powers lining up against the United States in this situation, uh, principally Russia and China. Uh, Iran is the wild card there as well. But just in terms of the Israeli continuance in Gaza, they'll not only pay a horrific price in international opinion, but there's also going to be a situation, I believe, the longer it goes, where Netanyahu and his boys are going to start discovering how tough this urban warfare really is, you know, in terms of the uh, Ukraine, Russian-Ukrainian war. Uh, Zelensky's guys, uh, you know, really found out just how hellish uh, this kind of urban combat is when you start looking at uh, Bakhmut, when you start looking uh, at this business in uh, Mariupol that uh, transpired last year. And as Mercurius has pointed out, and I think done a good job with that, when you look at the size of those cities, uh, you are uh, talking the case of uh, Bakhmut, about a population, pre-war population of 70,000. In terms of uh, Mariupol, uh, you're talking about, I believe he said, a population of uh, 270,000 maybe. Uh, When you start looking at uh, trying to engage in urban warfare, and uh, occupation and pacification of uh, 2.1 million people in that geographic territory who have nothing to lose, good luck. Right. Okay. Uh, Well, thank you for having me. Hey, thank you for helping me. I needed a good guest today to help me through the uh, analysis of this speech, and you were it. Okay, great. And... You'll be back again next week with another exciting episode of the Dankoff Report. Thank you, Patrick. God bless. Tea Club's original Pure Pouty Arco Super Tea comes from the only tree in the world that fungus does not grow on. As a result, it naturally has antifungal, anti-infection, antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammation, and anti-parasite properties. So the tea is great for healthy people because it helps build the immune system, and it can truly be miraculous for someone fighting a potentially life-threatening disease due to an infection, diabetes, or cancer. 
The tea is also organic and naturally caffeine-free. A one-pound package of tea is $49.95, which includes shipping. To order, please visit drinksupertea.com. The first word is drink, spelled D-R-I-N-K, then the word super, then the word tea. The complete website is drinksupertea.com. Or call us at 818-965-9113, Monday through Saturday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. California time. That's 818-965-9113. Drinksupertea.com. You can't handle the truth! You're listening to Republic Broadcasting Network. Visit republicbroadcasting.org today because you can handle it.